0: Welcome to Recast, presented by the Baptist Union of Scotland. Each episode will look at a key issue of mission or discipleship for church leaders in Scotland. We will be bringing you key voices, practical insights, and unique stories, all focused on the church in Scotland.
1: My name is Glenn Innes, it is a joy to be back with you and I am here with Lisa again.
2: Hello everybody, it's lovely to be here.
1: And the fun thing about being with Lisa is I actually am with Lisa. We nearly always record this, in fact we've always recorded this, uh... Remotely via Zoom, but we are actually in the same room recording this.
2: We are. We're actually in Puerto We are. And uh, the biggest challenge today is going to be not getting the giggles, right?
1: That is absolutely it, because there's only one line of recording and I can't cut it out if you get the giggles. So That's right.
2: And it's highly likely. Anyway, we have been talking in the last couple of podcasts and today um, a little bit around work. And it made me think, Glenn... um, What did you want to be when you grew up? Have you grown up? I don't know. What did you want to be when you grew up?
1: (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's easy. I wanted to be a football player. I I absolutely wanted to be a football player. And I probably only gave that up uh, in, I was in my early 20s before (laughs) I gave that up. It was probably, everybody else could see it was gone before then, but not me. Yeah, I was, that was my, that's what I wanted to be. A Um, long-held dream. It was, and it never came to pass, really, even came that close. That's sad. What about you?
2: Well, I think there was quite a long time when I wanted to be a surgeon. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I would have been hopeless. Okay. I don't even know <laughs> if I could have stood in the theatre, but there was um, there was a programme on TV called Your Life in Their Hands, and okay. I was absolutely obsessed with wow. it, and I and I wanted to be a, a surgeon. Um Clearly I'm not. However, I've got a lot of friends who are doctors, so I'm not sure if that counts. (laughs) Yeah, you're getting there.
1: You're getting there. So the the thing for me was, uh, so as soon as I I got into the later parts of high school, um, I I was quite good at school. And so my teacher said, well, you can do whatever you want. And I'm like, well, I knew I didn't want to be a surgeon. I Mm -hmm. couldn't stand the sight of blood. (laughs) So uh, I was like, well, what are you going to do? And there was a TV show called LA Law. Oh, yeah. And uh, (laughs) they all drove fancy cars and there were pretty women around. Am I allowed to say that I'm not I, sure I don't we know. might have to edit that your anyway. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but that and so I thought, oh well you get loads of money, fancy cars and nice women. So I'm going to be a lawyer. That's what I so that's why I ended up going to law school. Uh-huh. It was all because of LA law.
2: Very good. So these things do influence us. So actually what was your first job?
1: Um your actual
2: first proper job.
1: Uh so I had a paper round from uh-huh. when I was fourteen and then uh I guess, well, I th- I went to work in the shop that the paper round came from, mm-hmm. but um, probably yeah. my first jobs, the kind of proper jobs when I was an adult, was uh, working in bars and restaurants when I was a student. Mm-hmm. And then when I left uni, I worked. I was the manager of Jaeger clothes store Oh, were you? In, in Aberdeen.
2: See, that's really interesting, isn't it? So my I ended up taking a year out after I left school. And okay. my first job was working for Marks & Spencers. Oh, there you go. Also as a sales assistant. Uh, and it was the run-up to Christmas, and I was in the gifts and home furnishing department. Oh, wow. um, which is super busy. And I pretty much spent all my day folding up the towels hmm. that all the customers have like opened to see whether they're the right size and everything. So now... I have two aspects to me, a bit Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> Either I'm really meticulous at folding up towels once I've opened them in a shop, oh. or I think, well, I had to clear up after everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll now have to do that <laughs> as well. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's quite such a good answer. No. Anyway, we've got Ruth Walker with us we today. Do. He's talking about like, you know, proper proper work, isn't yeah. she? And,
1: and, and reflecting on it theologically yeah. for us. And, and I think that's really helpful because, I mean, we've both done jobs that, I I don't suspect we sprung out of bed in the morning going oh I get to work at Marks and Spencers today (laughs) or I get to work for Jaeger or whatever, but actually um, there is a a really helpful I think development from the Mm -hmm. conversation we had last time with Ken Benjamin and what Ruth has to say to us about um, how we think about work. Yeah. Shall we listen to that? Absolutely.
2: (laughs) do So um it's really brilliant today that we have with us Ruth Walker uh on our podcast and uh, Ruth welcome we're absolutely delighted to have you with us today um Ruth we met didn't we at uh, at Spring Harvest which thought it was in the north because it was in Harrogate in Yorkshire but I don't think that really feels like the north anymore from where we are now and um and then and then you so kindly invited me to stay in your home when I was first up here. Um, so I, I know kind of a whole bunch of things about you that maybe other people don't know. Like, um, Are you going
0: to tell me then?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that this is a moment, right? Um, so I know that even when I thought I'd got up early, you were already up and had baked three batches of scones and made a dessert and filled a bowl with some kind of yummy looking stuff to take to some conference, which was going to be two hours away. And and that you never stop still and you're always amazingly doing things enthusiastically. Um, this is what I know about you. So I'm sure we'll learn <laughs> really profound things about you as well. But I mean, genuinely, I just think you're pretty amazing human and with one of the best dress senses of people that I know. So for those people who can't oh, see thank she you, she often wears really bright colours really well. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's a cool thank thing, you. I think.
0: You wear nice yeah. clothes also. So does Glenn. Ah. <laughs> Occasionally. The last time I saw Glenn, he'd spilled stuff all over himself and he'd go back into his casual gear out of his suit. Is that all right?
2: He'll that's be really grateful true. for you mentioning that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, well, no, sorry, Glenn.
2: Well, we could have a conversation about um, fashion uh, or cooking, and genuinely that would be quite interesting. But I don't think that's quite why we've exactly invited you on this podcast. So, um, Glenn. Why have we invited Ruth on this podcast?
1: I don't know, it was your idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we, that's not true. Uh, it is genuinely a delight to have you, uh, Ruth. Uh, I, when I first got to know you, it was really clear to me that one of the things that you carry a real passion for is for people uh, who are just ordinary Christians going about their ordinary life and, and having a real desire for... How does the gospel, how does our faith influence that space that we live in? And um I I I wonder just where where does that passion come from, first of all, beyond the simple answer of from Jesus? Uh but where does that come from in you? How was that born in you?
0: So my story is that, um, you know, when I started, when I went to work, you know, I was brought, brought up in a Christian home and loved Jesus. it was very, very involved in things. I uh, went to Newton Mairns Baptist Church, had been involved as it was a plant from Queen's Park Baptist. Very, very exciting to be part of it. And then um, I had children, also an absolute joy. And... Um, when I'd gone to work, nobody had quit me or trained me for going to work. You just knew that, you know, don't steal and be nice and speak about Jesus if you get the have the courage to do it. So that was kind of my framework. And then there I was with uh, children at, and having been very, very involved in in church, and you suddenly realised that. There was no opportunity for service unless you wanted to stay in the crash forever. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was probably quite kind of shocking and really quite a bit of a rocking of my faith over those kind of years. What, what was really faith about? And um, then over that time, I'd met uh, Mark Green from London Institute of Contemporary Christianity and um, began to think about what did faith really mean at work? And mm-hmm. I remember meeting a ex-colleague and bumped into him. Just after come back to work after my daughter was born, and he was working really hard, and I was working really hard, and think you couldn't really do anything in church. And I said there must be more to life than this, which I know is the alpha question, but it was our question, and so we started um, a breakfast where we we met a few of us trying to really understand what it meant about faith faith and work. So that was really helpful. And then another thing happened was we um, came across the Imagine leaflet, which was a I thing that Mark Green, I think Tracy Cottrell had penned. I mean, and it was like an epiphanic moment because basically it was: imagine what the UK would be like if people felt that they were equipped and enabled and encouraged to be Christians in their workplace, in their ordinary everyday places. And yeah, it was like an epiphanic moment, and then it, we had a reencounter with Jesus. And I thought, if only somebody had told me that at the start, that that was what faith was—that was what faith was about. So, that's really where our journey started. Both my husband and I started uh, really significantly at that point. It moved from theory into into our hearts
2: so, um, that's a, that's really brilliant. And I don't know that I've ever heard the word epiphanic on a podcast before. I just think that's a wonderful yeah. word. um, mm-hmm. but you're right. it it was it was for loads of us a complete revelation, wasn't it that actually you could be serving Jesus not in the church only um, but in your everyday life so from that point what were your next steps from kind of that revelation to equipping yourself and other people um how did that work itself out
0: So I think my first step was shame, really, because I felt ashamed of how I hadn't really lived well. And I kept coming across people who said that, if only we'd got that before, I might have been more content. I wouldn't have gone off and tried to work for a Christian organisation. So I think that was honestly my first thing. What about all that wasted opportunity? What if I had, I just wished I'd known that. And, uh, you know, I had, I've been reading a lot about Tim Keller and he talks about, you know, how we're called to be co-creators with God, how we're there to cultivate what he has made, uh, how we've been given a sort of creation mandate and begin to think, I was um, as a director of marketing at the time and beginning to think that that work was really significant. So first of all, trying to get my head around that was the first thing. What what was it that this, just this ordinary work, what was that about? And then there was something about getting my head around um, that when I looked at people, they were image bearers. So I was an image bearer of Christ, but they too were image bearers. So then that really changes how you, how you perceive people um so i think that was the first i kind of shifted my mindset and then i did a whole lot of stuff about reading went to some lcc things um i went uh, over to redeemer uh and um went to their Faith at Work conference, and really tried to understand more. So just read and encountered people. And one of the really interesting things I got to do was I was involved with um, Mission Scotland, I chaired Mission Scotland. And we were really, I felt God was convincing, uh, convicting us about moving from doing evangelistic type things to how more about discipleship how did you continue being a disciple not just these one-off events and so we started experimenting with mark green and a group of people in their 20s and 30s and um, we said what's it like being a christian in the workplace and what's it we thought they would come up with all the answers and they kind of said well we're not quite sure oh we're certainly not equipped by church um we're treated like crash fodder was one of the things that people said you know come and you know help in the creche or be in the sunday school so just that we weren't really being equipped and so that really made us develop what what was how could we develop things so we had conversations about faith we take the bible try and read it with workers eyes we um marked uh, develop the kind of fruitfulness in the front line out of that. What were the kind of fruits that you could bear? The six M's it was called. So, so that started to develop, and we established a transforming work course and we piloted it having pioneered it we then piloted it i think it was about 10 or over 100 people across scotland and then that became eventually which i would still really recommend the transforming work course i mean just a fabulous moment to sit around the table with other christians and to speak of what it is like to be a christian on your front line to say where have i seen god at work and to grow lenses or eyes to see where you see God at work to be able to take the scripture and see what does that actually mean to be able to look at an issue like how do I influence culture and really think about that so you were asking me Lisa how did I learn I just learned alongside other people and that has just been just such a fab experience for for me is to to journey with people and particularly if you get to do it a few times it's I'm somebody who takes a while to learn so it's been great to kind of really dig in and learn that sort of thing.
1: That's amazing. Um, I mean, genuine. I mean, first of all, I think your heart is worth recognising, and that, that that constantly teachable heart, that desire to keep learning and and, and to know more, and to I think the fact that you went and asked a bunch of twenties and 30 sometimes, what the answers might be is. It's testament to you, but also I think to the kind of heart that's necessary to live in this way. That says that God can invade, or God can uh, has something for us, and eat every part of our life. That we are going to have to be constantly teachable. We'll, we'll come back to that because I think that fits around the question of how we equip people for that space. But but your own journey, and uh, with those uh, younger folks, it, you've you've carried that on with your involvement with the Scottish Public Leaders Program. And I, my suspicion is it's the least well-known and yet most significant thing that happens in the church in Scotland. So 99% of the people listening to this podcast will never have heard of it. Uh, so could you tell us a bit about what the Scottish Public Leaders Programme is and then maybe tell us a bit about why you think it's quite significant? If you do, I, I think it's significant. So
0: the Scottish Public Leaders is... We have a 30-year vision for investing in a generation of people who are Christians in their workplaces. And although we say public leaders, that just doesn't just mean that you're in the public sector, it means you're in all sorts of jobs. Uh, so we have teachers and doctors and uh, entrepreneurs and nurses and I was trying to think, I mean, just a whole swathe of people. even had people who are politicians involved in it. So so what happens when you come? So we have that vision that it keeps going for many years and we want to invest for years, because that really brings about change when you grow a whole cohort and groups of people who really know and love Jesus and are confident that there you are are, are making a difference on your front line, that you're co-creating, that you're seeing something different that will happen, that you make connections, you have a vision for God's heart for, for a nation. That's what we that's that's a big vision. What happens is if you're ages between 25 and 35, roughly, and you're in work uh, and you uh, what what you do to apply in the course and we give you, first of all, we give you a mentor. And mentoring is one of my big passions. Um, I get the privilege to mentor people, not just in this course, but other places, walking alongside people and help them discover their journey with Jesus, help Mm. them discover how everything you do absolutely matters to god how he brings wisdom to what you're doing how he helps you see beyond the, the moment how whatever you do however you know work at it with all your heart because it's jesus you're serving you also get to come to three retreats so they're 24-hour retreats um we are in those, you get a bit of Bible teaching. You get to meet senior people in different organizations. You're Christians who've gone ahead of you and know what it's like. They can teach about issues around character and values. Um, you people will open up the scriptures and see how that works. Uh, in the workplace, we'll ask um, people, how do they stay close to Jesus? And you get to hear that. And then you get to meet with a whole lot of other, a whole lot of other people who are at the same, roughly the same sort of age, and really get to know and journey together in that. Then we also do some online stuff, so you will have senior leaders who will come on and maybe do about. Um, it's about 90 minutes and we do that you'll get a chance i think there's three of those that we run in the year and then we also do visits into places uh where you get to see what it's like being in the public in the public square and you get to hear from christians who live there or who live and work there or work there i should say so that'd be like the bbc we, we go into we go into the parliament uh we go into actually been to ross county football club they always win when we go Um, but we get get in to see what it's like to develop a club and what it means how you can really influence and make a difference in you in your community so those are the kind of places that we that we go into and it's you just get a chance to talk and be with people and understand uh, what it's what that's like to be a Christian in those places and then you become part of a bigger network um and we we would invite you to I suppose you'd call them alumni events where you get to keep connected with people.
2: That just sounds
0: does that so that's really that
2: amazing 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 I can't even see why anyone wouldn't sign up for doing that It just sounds uh, so so helpful for life for character formation for. Um, consistent support through what you're doing and being able to be the best version of yourself in that. Ruth, have you got, like, you know, one or two stories of people that have been on this programme or you've just watched something that they've been addressing and this has really supported them and changed their perspective on something? So there are lots of
0: different people around them and always very conscious of those that there's people's private Mm -hmm. stories. So, um, so I'd be careful. So I I don't want to share other people's stories, but I could tell you about a teacher who really wondered what it was that Jesus was calling her to, who worked faithfully, got lots of opportunities and eventually has become a head teacher. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, if you met her, uh, you would discover that She has a whole sense of God's purpose of her being in that school and in that community. And she looks at each child and each uh, member of staff and she sees God's heart in them. And she will, she does the very, you know, I'm talking about Glenn. uh, She really is absolutely amazing. I'm entirely inspired by her consistency and her love of Jesus into absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. So that would be that would be one story. Um, we've seen people who've been in uh, politics and they've grown and grown into roles, or they've stepped into a role. Uh, and what has been amazing about that is not just what they've done, but that we as a network have been able to pray for them and pray for them very specifically with integrity and uh, confidentiality, and really pray and support for people in positions that we're in. They're in. And that would be the same in in many situations. Um, we've prayed for people who um, who've who've uh, you know been running their business, and you know maybe they've been very startup phase. And what we've seen is their business has actually grown, and we've seen it flourish. We've seen people whose businesses have had to close, and yet they've seen
2: mm-hmm.
0: God at work even in the pain of that. And mm-hmm. um, so it's a whole mix of things would be my, I think would be the stories that I would see. There, there's one thing that I really loved. Um, there was a, an older guy who came to teach in the programme and he said, oh Ruth, could you, could you tell me, I'm really struggling with a bit of technology that I'm trying to work out, how I might do this? And I said, oh yes, I've got the person and was able to introduce them to somebody who would be about, maybe not 50 years younger, but something like that. And then watching the two of them actually look together and talk together and solve the problem. And I thought that was just... Amazing. Or another time where we had um, Tom Wright came and he spoke to us. And that was one of our evenings. We are at a lecture um, and he talked about faith in the workplace and faith really in the public square. And then after that, we put people in groups praying. And I remember there was somebody who was really senior in a company and he's praying with one of the most junior people who were there. And it was like that, you looked all over and saw that. And that to me is what this is about. It's not about age. It's about actually being confident together that we can make a huge difference in Scotland. and be praying for people for each other, whatever your your situation that you're in, however senior you're in. So these are these are some of the things that just make me think, make your heart, you know, almost skip a beat. They're so they're so good.
1: That's amazing. I mean, it it been my I, I've had the privilege of recommending a few people to the course, and every one of them would have really profound stories like you're telling um to 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 uh to share on the back of their experiences there. That I mean, first of all, if somebody's listening who's between 25 and 35 and thinks, oh, how, how do I get involved with that? Is is there a way for them to apply, Ruth?
0: Yeah. So if you go onto the Evangelical Alliance website and there's a, yeah. an area that says public leaders, are you doing show notes with this? Because you could put the link in, in that and there's public leaders and it tells you about it and how to apply there's a cost involved uh, but if cost is going to be an issue for you we would we can find a way to help you with that or to schedule the costs uh, you know so it's not all in one uh, thing but there are there are some bursaries around um but it's a really significant we only take about somewhere between 16 and 18 a year because you really want to have an um, a group that you can gel together so it's not a big program but already we've had well over a hundred people go
1: on it. Amazing, yeah. And I, I mean, it, it, I, again, and as a pastor, having recommended people to it, I think if you're listening and you're a, a church pastor and you've got folks in that age group in your church who who are in uh, the workplace and who clearly have a calling, I, I'd strongly encourage you to look into it and to think about recommending your folks to look at it. It's a really well worthwhile program. The, the, the challenge, so Neil, Ruth. Neil, oh, sorry. On you go. Oh, no, I was just
0: going to say, Neil Hudson, who um, used to work with LICC, still does some work with LICC, he says this about work, that it's not a topic to be addressed, but a context to disciple people in. And actually what we're trying to do is to, con- to disciple people in that context.
1: Oh, that's brilliant. That's a great line. That's a great line and and really leads me to what I was going to ask you, which is mm-hmm. the challenge for some of us is we're not 25 to 35 anymore. We don't qualify for for Scottish public leaders, but we still have a deep need for that kind of shaping. And for many of us, it's been lacking in our church contexts. in the same way that it, you reflected your story to be that. What do we do with that? How do we go about equipping people for that workplace context uh, that you were talking about? on the premise that most people listening to this are probably church leaders going okay what do I do I can't send them to your public leaders program how how do I begin to think about this
0: oh, that's a big question so uh, there are lots of courses that are really helpful to do and so LICC are do their executive toolbox for more senior people and uh they're planning to start one i think in october the 7th or 8th this year and there's so it's three weekends that they they do so that's worth having a look at um as a, as a pastor you could do the transforming work course we in our own church in Newton mounts baptist we we have one happening uh, maybe twice every three years. We we'll probably do one. A, continue to do one a year. We do really do. We invest in. We invest in that. Uh, that's just a great place to have conversations about faith, and you hear from other people and their stories, and they really they really encourage you. So that's a really good thing. We can put that in the show note as well. The link to that. Yeah. Um, we're conscious that some of these things change a bit under um, COVID. You know, and more we're doing more online, but I still think all the principles apply, and the stories are really helpful. I think as a, I mean, you had Ken Benjamin on, I just, you should just play that clip again, because he told you really what you should do. I was thinking about um, some things. So first of all, I would say to you as a pastor, please stop counting your numbers of people who come into church, because actually... What's much more important is where is your church scattered? So for every person okay. that you work, that is in your church, they'll be scattered into all sorts of places. They'll be scattered into families and into streets and into clubs, but they'll also be absolutely scattered into workplaces, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. So please, please, I think that is the most, the, the best thing you can do uh, is to recognise that. Please pastor us and pray for us and be interested in our work that is what i would say be interested in our work somebody said to me um i, I have the privilege of having a little role about that at, uh, at our church and so i have a permission to ask questions how's things at work and people say to me you're the only person who asked me about my work and so please just ask about work i think that would be really helpful help us to see our purpose in being at work that that's part of god's calling i mean i mean i can serve coffee but I, there's other things where I, that's more helpfully at work in amongst people. So I think that would be really uh, important. Um, be interested in the job I do. Um, uh, I would think be interested in the level of responsibility I have. When I, when I went back to work, people said, oh, it'd be really nice if you came and you helped at the coffee shop. And I'm thinking, I'm actually dealing with a budget of millions and I'm working with, you know, a, a team. I, I think actually, not <laughs> not that the other thing's not important, Don't he- please hear me on that, but actually having that sense that I wish somebody had given me early on that sense that that was a really significant place and how I lived and how I spoke mm-hmm. to them um it just would be really important so can you open my um, as a pastor can you open my imagination to that it would be really really helpful um you, you may have heard on lecture 365 the other week there was a quote from Rowan Williams and this is been living in my heart since then it was this one um the reverence that i owe to every human person is connected with the reverence that i owe to god's creative word which brings them into being and keeps them in being i stand before holy ground when i encounter another person and then i'm thinking do i see can you help me see that i'm standing before holy mm-hmm. ground wow. when i'm mm-hmm. standing in the cuban asda when i'm serving uh you know when I'm serving coffee when I'm managing budgets or when I'm um mm-hmm. you know when I'm running a marketing course when I'm nursing do I do I have that sense that I'm standing in holy ground can you can you that's what I'd ask Patrick, help me to see that big story that mm-hmm. there's a big story beyond being involved locally locally equips and enab- should equip and enable us in f- a place where we feel at ease and um and comfortable, but but commissioned on into other places. So, what what can you do around that? But you know, please pray, for, please pray for workers, and really pray intelligently. Um, we're hoping uh, in our church to do from the summer onwards we're going to we do a weekly prayer film so we're going to pick a, an industry uh, over the next 12 months and we'll pray for that industry for the organizations and the companies and the people in that and then that means we're we're offering prayer cover as a church for those companies that we're all part of or those institutions we're all part of um I could give you lots of other things but these are some of the things that were off the top of my mind
2: I love the top of your mind. I mean, it's full of stuff. (laughs) Really really amazing, interesting, theological, challenging stuff. And uh, there's a couple of things that um, we interviewed Martin Link a couple of times back and he talked about affirmation. And I think, you know, you've, you've basically said that as well. That whole thing about being affirmed for who you are and what you do in the calling of God on your life. Uh, into whatever space that looks like Um, and that's clearly such an important thing and 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 actually quite a few of the things you said are relatively easy I mean to be interested in someone to ask them questions about What they do and what are the challenges of that? What do they love? What's life giving? What's draining? Um, How does that work out? How many hours a week are they involved in doing that? Um, Those aren't difficult things, are they? They just require us to care and to want to know and to be able to listen. Um, And then, of course, you can pray more effectively for that person, can't you? Um, So, yeah,
0: definitely. And there's a guy in a church who has a very senior role when he was promoted. This couple started to pray for him, and he got him. And he spoke, uh, and I don't think he knew that. And they came up to him at the end, and they said, "We just want you to know that ever since that job, you were we've been praying for you." Now, anyone wow. can do that. What again? You know, just praying for somebody in big in in roles, all sorts of roles. And mm. the prayer thing—you can also. I'm a great lover of a postcard and a stamp. I know they're expensive. But, you know, sometimes just a little card or a text. I've got a friend who, t- who, she asked me what to pray for and she always texts me just before I'm going. I say, I've got a really tricky meeting. And she texts mm-hmm. me before I go into it. And I think, I'm going in covered mm-hmm. by somebody who's praying and holding me
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, before, other, before other people.
2: Yeah, and you feel safe. Oh, sorry,
0: that's the wrong phrase. They're holding <laughs> me before God. God She's hold- yeah. hold- and she holds other people before God. I think that's really the yeah. significant thing.
2: Yeah, and and you feel seen in that moment, don't you? Because because someone yeah. remembered and they they cared and they they chose to to bring that to God, and that's it's really significant Definitely. as well. Um, just uh, just really inspiring, Ruth. It's really inspiring. Makes me want to go back into local church leadership again, so I can do more about it. I <laughs> <laughs> so. think
0: there's also other things that you can you can do is in cut, in and encourage people in simple sort of things. So. So one of my habits is, I did that today, is I wrote down the names of all the people that we're going to be meeting. And I don't know whether they're all Christians. Sometimes I was in facilitating uh, um, with a client and there was a whole list of people. I don't know who they were. I wrote down their names and I named them before God. I probably was the only person who named them before God that day. So you can do that and you can pray for that customer who's been really tricky or really lovely at the at the till or whatever. And I think, you know, as a pastor, if you can help people see some of that's really possible and that might be your purpose. And often I think poor pastors, you, what you tend to hear is people's agonies not their joys so you have to listen really hard for their joys and give people a sense of this is your purpose how can we walk with you through this how can you see what your opportunities are um and give sort of simple things that people can do because it's within their it's within anyone's capability of praying for it, the people you encounter
1: ruth that is absolutely amazing and i i love what lisa said at the top of your head is amazing like I'm not sure what we would find if we dug too much deeper. More than it more than we can cope with on one podcast anyway, that's for sure. Um, it, it's been brilliant to talk to you and and actually really inspiring um for me, but I know that will be the case for many who listen. Um for those who are in leadership, hopefully they're inspired to think about. I think are some of the brilliantly straightforward things you've just talked about they're they're Mm -hmm. not many of those things are not complicated they Mm -hmm. don't need big programs to run or or huge resources but the invitation to pray for people the invitation to listen well to to create a space to hear those stories within a church community yeah so thank you for that and uh, bless you in the work that you're doing uh, to raise up people. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you get a few emails after this from people saying, Could you give us a hand to think about? Uh, so um, thank you uh, very much for that. And we look forward to hearing more about Scottish public leaders. All the things you've mentioned, the LICC, Scottish public leaders, all of that, we'll put the link in the show notes and folks can get. Uh, get the information there and uh, they can get in touch with Lisa or I by email from there if they want to talk to you. But Ruth for now thank you so much for your time, it's been great having you on. Yeah, thank you so
0: much
2: Thank you So, um, Glenn, we just thought that was all from Ruth I mean there was plenty of stuff in there, right to think about and then just as we were wrapping up she started uh, giving us some more wisdom about how she's involved in the local church and uh, just seemed like too good to not let them hear it, didn't it? So, here you go. Here's a little bit more of this podcast for you.
0: So, one of the real privileges of this last year as or last two years, is that uh, I have been given the role of being a um a, a work pastor, if you like, for for Newton mounds Baptist Church, and then of course COVID happened. How enough to, ma- to manage some of that, and uh, so firstly I have a champion in one of our elders who really speaks into that, makes sure it stays in the agenda, and I think we also have run recently we ran discipleship evenings uh, just for an hour uh, after on a Sunday evening, uh, looking at different themes, and in some ways it's easy to run an event, but what is really much harder is to make sure that's in the mm-hmm. DNA, so when it gets in the dean that's why i think it's really important to be able to ask people about what's going on in their lives because then you become interested then that comes into your sermons as you're thinking about that it becomes into the way you connect and engage with people it affects what happens in the way you pray in mm-hmm. your uh at your at your house groups and we've really seen some of that happen so i think that's really interesting and so when covid happened what i i did was oh So I wrote to people, I sent hundreds of cards to people and I just looked at what they were doing and I I didn't know some of them and I just prayed Uh, and then I wrote and I wrote something and tried to be encouraging for people and that was the most basic thing and quite a few people said to me that just came at the right time and sometimes you just know but Mm. you just don't know so just praying was really significant and and then just being able to keep this high on the agenda so that you're you're not forgetting. So people's stories. So we've interviewed people about what's the front line, and um, you know that thing in in lectio, which I can never remember the the final bit of it. But you know at the end of the lectio, it says, you know, help me this day you know, how to see people and um, how to treat people. And people have got and said that's been really significant because I've been able to think about and pray into those things. How do you really, how do you really treat me in that? So, uh, how do I really pray into those things? So it's just building capability into people and openness and heart space in them. And that you can easily do. As a, you don't need to be busy as a has to another initiative that's not what it's about and so that's one of the things that I love and I've loved that opportunity uh to do that kind of um thing a real a real sort of privilege to do that and a privilege to get to speak into people's lives have popped up on our notices you know maybe things that you might want to read or a podcast that might be interesting I don't know how much people are doing it but just to have the space to um and a champion on our elders has been magnificent to make that happen
1: I hope you found that interview with Ruth helpful. And uh, that last little section, I think, was really provocative and challenging about how we embed a commitment to ministry in the marketplace within the lives of our churches. This brings to an end our little series looking at marketplace ministry. Uh, We'll be back soon with a series looking at or speaking with those who were participants in our Canopy Summer events so some of the seminar speakers and the main speakers we're looking forward to having them and we look forward to having you back with us for those for now though we are out